Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me are my co-hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. <laughs> and we're back and ready to talk about Resident Evil Zero. Finally. So, as we get ready to dive into this, there's really just one question. What is your favorite B.O.W.? And mine has to be Tyrant Nemesis. Because he is just epic. Carrying that rocket launcher around, shooting everything. It's it's epic. What about you, Ariel? Mine would have to be Mr. X. Mr. X? Mm-hmm. Why? Because I like him. <laughs> <laughs> really, Resident Evil 2 is probably my second favorite game. And, of course, Mr. X is in two. Mm-hmm. And I hate that he always just pops up everywhere. Like, he, I love to hate him. Hate to love him. So, <laughs> I would have to say he would be my favorite. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, of course you guys both pick tyrants. <laughs> pick something different. They're the best. Well, fine. I like the dogs. Well, it's too late. The Cerberus it's dogs. It's too late. You've already, you've already sown, made your bed. That's what I'm going to go with. Well, I guess I'll go lie down in it then. <laughs> yes. So I will pick uh, U8. Which, U8, which okay. Which is that giant spider-like creature mm-hmm. from 5, which I hate to fight it, but love how it looks. I mean, it is pretty cool looking. Because yes, you have spiders. limited room to fight it. So. Mm-hmm. Speaking of limited room... Let's dive into zero, and I say limited room because zero is nothing about is is all about limited room, which we'll get into later on in this episode. Um, but I believe Daniel has our first part of this breakdown. Before we get down into the nitty and gritty of this, I would like to say that massive spoiler alerts if you haven't played the game and are. Not really wanting spoilers, I suggest to play the game first and then listen to the podcast. Yes, well this actually will be more of the summary of the creation of the game. Mm-hmm. More like instead of the game itself. Okay. I believe. So basically it was going to be released on N64 as a prototype and didn't, didn't happen. That was... Uh, does not give me the year. But in Japan, it's known as Biohazard Zero. Mm-hmm. Most of the Resident Evils are uh, Biohazard, biohazard yep. and then the number. And it's a survival horror video game 
that was developed and published by Capcom, of course. Of course. So in 2002, they released it on Nintendo GameCube, was the first iteration of Resident Evil Zero. Mm -hmm. Which I remember because I ran out and bought it as soon as it came out. You literally ran? I did. (laughs) He's very fast. (laughs) And it looks like it is actually the seventh home console game of the Resident Evil series at that time. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's zero. Yeah. They forgot how to do their numbers. (laughs) Let's see here. And it says it was the last title to use the original multi-view gameplay system prior to the release of Resident Evil 4. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's see. It looks like it had a remastered high-definition version in Japan in January 2016. And then it was also included as part of the Origins collection, which includes Resident Evil 1. Yep. And on May 21st, 2019, it was remastered for the Nintendo Switch. Yes, I know that. And it does look really good on the Switch, I will say. So there's a couple more things about it. Its storyline is considered standalone, but also ties into Resident Evil, Resident Evil Code Veronica, and apparently a canceled game called Castle. That's all they've got in quotes. Mm -hmm. That involves stars well now we're getting into what this is actually going to entail that involves stars bravo team ahead of the mansion incident which is part of one mm-hmm. and wesker's betrayal at one point along with the backstory of the umbrella founders and new lore about the progenitor virus so the summary of the game prior to getting into the plot of the game itself is faced with relentless zombies and other horrifying creatures, Star's officer Rebecca Chambers makes an alliance with Billy Cohen, an escaped criminal. Unknowingly, Rebecca stumbles into the prelude of an event where she will be tested to her limits and her greatest fears will be realized. Together, Billy and Rebecca must survive the nightmare and expose the dark secrets of what has caused it. That's what I got. That's one heck of a synopsis. <laughs> Well, no, that's well, that's the minor summary. Yeah, the minor summary. Yeah. All right, Ariel, what yeah, else you got for let's us? Let's talk plot. Ooh, I love plot. So, the prologue. On the evening of July 23rd, 1998, an umbrella-owned train, the Ecliptic Express, drives through the Arclay Mountains, home to several umbrella facilities. Observed from atop a mountain... There's a mysterious man singing a choir song. The train is attacked by a number of leeches, which break through the windows and attack the occupants. Two hours later, Bravo team flies over the same mountains, part of the STARS Police Special Forces group. Bravo team's mission is to investigate a series of unexplained cannibalistic murders and animal attacks centered on the region. The helicopter malfunctions and crash lands. While RPD pilot Kevin Dooley stays behind, Bravo team searches the immediate area and finds a wrecked Marine MP vehicle. Its drivers are dead and its prisoner, Marine 2nd Lieutenant Billy Cohen, is nowhere to be found. Operating on the assumption Cohen killed his guards after the crash as a means of escape, Captain Enrico Marini has the team up to find him. Searching Raccoon Forest, Rebecca Chambers, the team's medic, finds the Ecliptic Express stopped in its tracks and with the lights out. In her search, she finds bloodstained seats. Checking a passenger, he wakes up and approaches her, 
with Rebecca soon being encircled by more men. Escaping them, she approaches the front of the train and finds Billy. Billy is uncooperative, refusing to be detained, and is armed with a handgun he took from the MPs. After Billy leaves the carriage, Bravo team member Edward Dewey jumps through the window. He is seriously wounded after being attacked by what he describes as zombies and monsters, and passes out, seemingly dead. He is then followed by mutant dogs, which had chased him through the forest. Marini calls Rebecca on the radio, unaware of the monsters, and warns her he has uncovered further documents saying Billy was sentenced to death for murdering 23 people and was taken to a psychiatric hospital. Exploring the upper deck of the train, Rebecca finds another man sat in a dining room. Asking him if he is okay, the man dissolves into a pile of leeches, having been then mimicking human form. She is saved by Billy, allowing them to form trust. They see the strange man out on the mountain, surrounded by leeches while singing. The train begins to move in what is discovered to be an operation by the Umbrella Security Services Delta team. They have been tasked by doctors Albert Wesker and William Birkin in moving the train over for investigation into the attack. The men are then attacked by leeches and quickly zombified leaving no one in control of the train. As it moves through the mountains, the train picks up speed. Realizing they might derail, Billy and Rebecca manipulate brakes on the front and rear of the train, killing the zombie Edward in the process. See, I this is the part of the game that I really love because you this is the first time you know canon that we see Wesker actually betray anyone. It's the first time we actually see him involved with Umbrella. We hear about it through documents and stuff, but this is the first time we actually get to see him involved. Ugh, Wesker. Now, again, that's canon because we do see him in multiple games do betrayal, but... Too many. Too many, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So... Anyways, the train slows down, but it is too late to stop an accident as it drives through a cliff and into an underground train station, derailing in the process. Billy and Rebecca escape the derelict train and explore their new surroundings. Heading up a ladder, they find themselves in a large building, which used to be a school used by Umbrella Pharmaceuticals in the 1970s for educating its trainees. Evidence they find along the way points towards it being the site of biological weapons development pioneered by Umbrella co-founder Dr. James Marcus, the school's director. Their progress is watched on CCTV by Birkin and Wesker, but their feet is cut by the mysterious man from the training school's own security room, who knows they are watching him, and accuses them of betraying Marcus admitting to contaminating the Arclay Laboratory as well as the train. Now this, this is the betrayal we talked about in the very first episode, I believe. This is, this takes after yeah, the this setup. Cl- yeah, this does. Mm-hmm. As the two searched the training school, they uncovered disturbing evidence of what happened here both in the 1970s and recently. While built to oversee training of gifted teenagers recruited by Umbrella, evidence points towards Marcus deliberately using the children as test subjects in inhuman bioweapons research. 
turning them into zombies with two level basement containing a torture chamber covered in dried blood. Zombies roam the halls of the school. Some of them are those children left alone for 20 years. Holy cow. Yeah. Others belong to Birkin's investigation team consisting of USS and technicians sent recently to refurbish the school for reopening. Evidence of a dispute between Marcus and Umbrella CEO, Dr. Oswell E. Spencer, is also discovered, pointing to Spencer trying to steal Marcus's research on the progenitor virus and the T-virus project. And there it is. Yep. The mysterious man spots Rebecca on the CCTV and sends out Marcus's Eliminator B.O.W.'s to kill her. Oh. Yup. One tracks her down and bites her in the torture chamber, and during this confrontation, the floor gives way, but she is soon rescued by Billy. During their navigation, Rebecca finally gives in and demands Billy to tell her the truth about what happened to him. He explains his marine unit suffered casualties due to faulty intelligence when searching for a guerrilla base in an African jungle, and his CO ordered they fire on villagers. Refusing to take part, he was scapegoated by the unit, with a court-martial finding him guilty to cover up the other scandals. Meanwhile, Birkin and Wesker begin their own plans, operating on the theory the mysterious man is somehow Marcus himself brought back to life. Ooh, now the plot thickens. Yup. Birkin plans to set off the facility's self-destruct device to blow up the training school and the man along with it. Hmm. <sighs> Terrible. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it was bad enough that there were kids involved, and now you get all this. All right, Daniel, I think you have the next part for us. All right, let's see here. Moving on to a dilapidated church, Billy and Rebecca take an elevator down into an even more dilapidated laboratory used by Marcus for his T-virus research. They find more evidence of Marcus's cool research when Rebecca ventures upstairs. The auxiliary research room contains human victims preserved in fluid-filled capsules with others containing organs harvested for closer study. There is a mutated thing on a nearby operating table and the morgue is over capacity to the point Marcus was casually dumping body bags aside. Shelves everywhere contain poisonous chemicals used in his research, and an operating room is covered in blood from Marcus's surgical procedures on the teenagers. These rooms are populated by the zombified investigation team once more, with signs pointing to a violent confrontation they experienced beyond simple leeches, with one infected man trapped within a gas chamber someone had then switched on. Downstairs, Billy investigates Marcus's study and finds a photograph of him in his younger years, exactly resembling the mysterious man. He theorizes the man is his son or grandson. Ready to depart the laboratory on an underground cable car, Billy and Rebecca meet up and are attacked by one of Marcus's Eliminator B.O.W.'s. Billy falls down the ledge and into an underground stream. And now Rebecca's on her own. <laughs> Heading out on her own, Rebecca makes her way to the Umbrella Chemical Plant, located downhill from the training school. Signs point to it also have been attacked by the mysterious man's leeches recently, and the facility's personnel are strangely absent. 
Heading down a large train elevator, Rebecca reaches Nest, the site of Birkin's own bioweapons research. There, she runs into none other than Enrico, who has infiltrated Nest through the Arclay Laboratory subway tunnel. He is confused why the rest of the team isn't there, and decides the two should head back to find where they went. Rebecca refuses to go, needing to find Billy. Enrico reminds her that he cannot be saved either way, but gives in and lets her stay to find him while he returns to the lab. Soon after, Rebecca is confronted by the T-001 Umbrella USA's Tyrant prototype, which has been released by the mysterious man, but knocks it out quickly. Heading into the adjoining water treatment plant, Rebecca finds Billy being dragged by the currents of the underground stream. Heading through the plant, the workers are found to have been also zombified, a combination of the mysterious man's leeches and the unsafe dumping procedure by Birkin of Nest Biowaste. Of course. Finding Billy washed onto the decking, Rebecca helps him up. When he comes to, he finds the decking covered in skeletons, concluding Marcus had dumped them in the water too. As they explore the treatment plant further, they finally run into the mysterious man in person. He reveals to them the true origins of himself. He is the Queen Leech, a mutant test subject created by Marcus in 1988. Marcus was gunned down by the USS on Spencer's orders with Birkin and Wesker sent in to steal his research data and died. Dumped in the water with Marcus, the leech entered his body and consumed his brain, gaining his memories. Queen Leech sees itself as Marcus resurrected through divine work and seeks to use its powers to bring hell to the entire world. Holy shit. Yeah, give a creature some play and it'll... Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Ultron. <laughs> Let's see here. Queen Leech transforms into a giant leech, abandoning its humanoid appearance and faces off with Billy and Rebecca. They escape up a cargo elevator, taking them back up to the plateau the training school was on, and face off the monster again in a large warehouse used for helicopter cargo transport. Realizing the creature is sensitive to light, Rebecca manipulates the controls to the warehouse's retractable roof. Billy fires at the creature with a magnum and it falls down the elevator shaft as the treatment plant explodes along with the training school. Convenient. <laughs> Isn't it just? Alright, and the tail end. Rebecca and Billy escape out into the open. Looking out from the cliff edge, Rebecca spots the mansion Enrico told her about and now knows where to go. Knowing Billy will have to be detained and sent on for executions for murders he didn't commit, Rebecca takes his dog tag and declares him dead. He agrees to faking his death and walks out into the forest alone. Happy ending. <laughs> Maybe for Billy. <laughs> yeah, Rebecca's got a little bit more to go through. A lot more. A lot more, yeah. Um, so, good synopsis overall. What I took away from it was essentially there are how many areas? It sounded like six. Yeah, six major areas. And then there's probably like a few little areas in there to explore. Tons of puzzles. When we did our playthrough, there were tons of puzzles. <laughs> Ridiculous amount of puzzles. Ridiculous amount of puzzles. I mean, Ridiculous what... amount of backtracking. Mm -hmm. Capcom loves doing in Resident Evil yeah. games. But yes. they did it so much more in this one. 
Um, but before we get into all that, I think it's the perfect time for us to take our mid-break. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Well, we all heard those gunshots, so you know what time it is. It's time for the middle of the show. And what have you brought for us today, Ariel? So, apparently, Capcom is teasing something related to the first Resident Evil game. Ooh. Yes. They, on August 22nd, Mm -hmm. they tweeted, Four Itchy Tasty. Oh, that's a throwback. Yes. That was a fan favorite diary entry found in the original 1996 game of Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. Yeah, it refers to the Keeper's Diary in the game as an in-game journal written by an umbrella researcher who was unknowingly infected with the T-virus. Yep. So, it's suggesting that Capcom could be planning something new with the original Resident Evil. I sure hope so. <laughs> That would be cool. Yes, they already redid two and three. I really hope they redo one. Yeah, it it could use some mm-hmm. use some updating. Definitely. Yes. Not that it is a bad game, but yeah, it's it's a great game. It started the whole craze. So yeah, nothing's official yet, but when they start teasing, you know something's coming. Always, so. always. We'll look out for that, and if I happen to find out, I will let you all know. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Daniel, what have you brought for us today? Merchandise, as always. Of course. And it looks like I keep getting drawn to Etsy. Oh, boy. Don't worry, people. I don't always hang out there. <laughs> he really does. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, they do have some awesome stuff sometimes. They do. So, back to the first... I think I've brought these guys up before. It's Zion's Tech. Yes, you I have. brought them up with the Las Plagas mm-hmm. virus. Which we already ordered ours. It's on its way. Which I'll have to see to judge when it gets here. Because <laughs> <laughs> I brought it to light. We'll post pics on our Twitter. So it looks like they have a custom lighted case for Resident Evil vials for first gen and injectors. So I believe they also have those for sale somewhere on their store Mm -hmm. this case runs two hundred dollars holy cow and there's probably shipping involved i'm sure because it is a custom lighted case so there's probably some type of requirement but it does look like it holds their version of the viruses where they look like helixes okay i like that and it has plenty of good reviews it looks like it can glow in the dark Ooh, snap depending on the lights so I will post this to our Discord. Okay. And it'll probably get posted to Twitter. Yes, definitely. So if you want to find this case, you can search for Zients Tech, which is X-I-E-N-C-E, then T-E-C-H, and they have a custom lighted case. Or you may be able to look for Resident Evil 
Vile's custom lighted case on Etsy for that. All right. Well, I brought something of a different take today. Um, recently, through doing some digging, I found uh, Resident Evil 4 remake info. Now, this is different than what we all expected, but it's still exciting nonetheless. Uh, during the 2021 Oculus Gaming Showcase that happened this Wednesday, April 21st, they released the fact that they are doing a Resident Evil 4 VR for the Oculus Quest 2. Now, it looks pretty good. You can find some, you know, pre-alpha stage videos online. And they did show these during the showcase. The other thing that's really cool is they are talking about it being for per first person, obviously. But you can actually equip more than one weapon and use them in this game, which is I'm super excited for because we've never been able to do that in any Resident Evil game. I am just excited that it is Resident Evil 4 VR. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> is it because you want to use two Chicago typewriters? No. Do you know how awesome? No, just picture it. <laughs> Leon with two machine guns in his hand. His hands. Missing everything. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I am scared for this. I'm hoping that they keep the original content and they just convert it all to first person. I'm hoping that all the unlockables and everything are the same. I'm really hoping for this. But, you know, it's it's up in the air right now. We don't have much info. And the release date for this is this year, 2021. They said it will be out this year. So we'll watch it closely. And that's another one we'll keep you guys up to date on. So I'm going to need to buy an Oculus? Uh, we're going to have to buy an Oculus. <laughs> um, the other news, a bonus news, if you will. Um, the newest update for the Village on the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. They're going to uh, increase resolution and frame rates. That's about all they're going to be working on right now for that. Now, they have hinted and almost openly said that they're going to be releasing DLC. They just don't know when it's coming out. So that's another one we'll keep an eye out and we'll let you guys know when it comes up. But on that, I think that's the last thing we have. Let's get back to our discussion on Zero. All right. So back to our discussion on Zero. Who wants to take the floor first? Well, it'll be me. Ooh. So, as you discussed, there were six different areas. Mm-hmm. So, to list them off, you have the train. Yep. The training facility. Mm-hmm. The basement. Mm-hmm. The laboratory. Yep. The factory. Yep. And the treatment plant. And the treatment plant. Okay. Now, these are the major areas. I know we briefly passed through certain areas like the church and things like that. Um, the subway, we briefly passed through there, you know. But these are the major plot point areas. Yes. Okay. The puzzles in this game. 
So frustrating. <laughs> oh, the puzzles, especially just in the training facility itself. Yes. Like, you do have a couple in the train, especially with the breaks mm-hmm. at the end where they're yep. timed. and. Yep. And the screen's broken. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> it's, it is frustrating, but I will say the most frustrating puzzle, for me at least, was definitely the training facility because it was a lot of backtracking. It was a lot of different keys and cards and ugh. <laughs> yes. And then the statues that you had to put the wings on, it was it was just a lot. You had to backtrack a lot just to figure out where one piece of puzzle is to get to over here. Mm-hmm. And Resident Evil is very good about the puzzles. I as much as I hate them, I love them. Yeah, they are they don't get me wrong, the zero puzzles are extremely interesting. Yeah, it's just <laughs> Daniel, would you care to input? Yeah. Puzzles are hard. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness. That's why they're puzzles. Uh, It's not that they're hard. It's just these puzzles, to me, were tedious. Very tedious. A lot more tedious than the other Resident Evil games. Well, and the backtracking itself. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a lot. Do you think the training facility was training you for further Resident Evil games? I feel like it it was. was. I bet Mm -hmm. it was. Yep. Speaking of training... Can we talk about the item case and the lack of space? Even between two characters? Yeah, I see what they were trying to do. They thought, well, since you had two characters that you could go back and forth with, that that would be enough. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. It never was. No, because the amount of items they would throw at you. Even even when you play it on harder difficulties, they're still throwing a ridiculous amount of items at you. Yeah, which is normally a great thing. Yeah. It's great to have a lot of ammo and health and everything else. But then on top of that, you have to figure out where you're carrying the puzzle pieces Mm -hmm. that you're a necessity. And then, of course, they allow you to set the items down. Yes, which is a good part because they don't have save rooms in this game. But they do have the ability to set items down in safe spaces. Yeah, but the ridiculous part with that, too, though, is even more backtracking. Because then you would have to backtrack to go back and get those items. Yeah. And that's just even more... Of a headache? Yeah, it is. (laughs) What did you think about the item cases, Daniel? Oh, I agree. I did that the other night where I had to backtrack because I wanted to take all the items with me. So I was like, let me just throw this on the floor here. And go back and get this. Mm-hmm. So I did it. I two or three times went in the same area. I was like, "Oh, hey, let me take Billy with me and only have this room because if you put too much stuff in one spot, it says cannot be dropped here." Yep. Or if it's a room that's going to change in the future, or if it's a room that's not considered a safe place, like they won't let you drop items there either. You know what I really appreciated, though? What's that? The amount of handgun ammo you get. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> Never, ever, ever short on handgun ammo. I found myself playing Rebecca more than Billy just because of the amount of ammo I had. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is Rebecca. I mean, she is a badass. Uh, well, she is, yes. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I equipped her with the handgun. Billy had the shotgun. And then I just played her. I believe we gave Rebecca the grenade launcher as well. Yeah, she had the grenade launcher. Because she's a badass. Because you want to give the smallest character <laughs> the most, a weapon with the most kickback. Listen, we love in, Rebecca. In reality. I in mean, reality, it's a game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I, I will say the thing that I appreciated most about Zero was there was not 
a whole lot of downtime. Even the backtracking, they would throw random enemies in, which for me kept the momentum going. It was still exciting and thrilling to, oh, we've just cleared this room, and then you come back maybe five, ten minutes later, and there are three more zombies there. You know what I really hated the most? Were the leeches. Yeah, I don't understand what was <laughs> going on there. they would jump oh, on you. They were there, like, in the train. Yeah. That whole pile, yep. multiple times. Yeah, big time. Ugh. <sighs> Ugh. I don't like bugs anyways. So. What was your favorite part of the Zero? Favorite part? Mm-hmm. I mean, I got to play as Rebecca, since I like the <laughs> character. <laughs> and I will say, we're far from done with Rebecca. She does make appearances in several more of the canon... Mediums. Mediums, yeah. yeah. So we're not done with Rebecca by any stretch. Before we get into a brief synopsis of our characters, what did you think of the camera angles? Terrible. Terrible. Awful. Well, like on the train. Because yeah. when you go from, I was trying to watch for a zombie. I knew it was there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, where's the zombie? I could hear it. So I waited where I could see perfectly fine. Zombies take us time. So I moved forward. Of course, the zombie's right there at yep. the point. So then I get attacked. I was like, I should have just waited yep. because the camera angle. It does. The camera angle does get annoying a couple times in the game. I would think. I know. I know. I had the most problem with it when we played. Ariel was a beast at it. She was. Which I'm surprised because I need inverted. Yeah. Because I'm backwards, so I need that inverted. But I, I got through it pretty well. You did. You did. So. I mean, to be fair, the camera angles have been around since the very first Biohazard or Resident Evil 1, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, They have been around. They are historical. And back in the day, that was the greatest thing ever. But when Zero came out, they they were a thing of the past. Over the shoulder was the new thing. So I'm kind of it was kind of a letdown that it wasn't over the shoulder. But. Again, hopefully these games will get remade in the future and we can progress into that, just like they did with 2 and 3. But enough about that. Let's get into our brief synopsis of Billy and Rebecca. All right, well, we're going to do Rebecca first. Of course. she's better than Billy. She's the leading lady. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just a short little bit about Rebecca. We'll talk more about her another time. In full deep detail. Uh, you mean in next episode? That is technically next time. <laughs> or another time, I should say. All right, Rebecca Chambers. Always remember that name, everybody. You're about as obsessed as I am with Leon. Maybe. So it says that she is an 18-year-old and university chemistry graduate Serving as the rookie medic for the Stars Bravo team. Wait, 18? Yep. She's a wow. young Wow. And she's a university graduate, so that must have been a short schooling period. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Either that or it takes a lot less to graduate high school in the Capcom universe. <laughs> Let's see here. She was serving as the rookie medic for Stars Bravo team. She was on her first mission, which is to investigate the mysterious murders plaguing the Arklay Mountains. So these were her first missions? Yes. They just threw her into the deep end. 
That's what happens when you're a medic. <laughs> so she's an 18-year-old, graduated university, brand new to stars as the medic, and her first mission is zombies. She didn't know that. No, of course not. But there's... We'll get more in-depth with her next episode. Hey, a- you want to go investigate some murders? Here you go. <laughs> what about Billy? What do we got on Billy? Oh, Billy Cohen. A dishonorably discharged Marine officer of the rank of second lieutenant. Ooh. Scapegoated for the massacre of civilians in a failed mission. Cohen was being transported to a military base on the other side of Arclay County for his execution. His transport was destroyed and his MPs killed in an attack by an unknown force, forcing Cohen to seek safety on the same nearby train. I'm assuming that it was probably one of the B.O.W.s that attacked it. I mean... <laughs> At the train? Yeah. No, the... Uh, the yes, the train. No, the uh, the military convoy. It's probably Cerberus dogs. I'm curious to know why the military convoy was that close to a train, though, and not on a road, because when we found it, it was in the middle of a forest. Secret. We don't ask questions here. We just play the game. <laughs> Capcom writes the stories. Capcom does. And they do a pretty good job. But uh, that is all we have for the Resident Evil Zero synopsis and overall kind of our opinions of the game. Well, I'd like to throw one more out. Okay, go for it. In my opinion, overall, Resident Evil Zero was a good game. It was, yes. Now, the storyline was there. The puzzles, the everything, it was there. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we don't care much for the camera angles and maybe the graphics are a little outdated and all of that stuff. But overall, I would say it was a good game. It was, yeah. And, you know, back in the day when we first played this, when we were younger, it wasn't bad graphics and the camera angles weren't too bad. You know, just playing it now with everything we've played, I think we're a little bit more critical of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But overall, I would say it is a great Resident Evil game. Yeah, I'd give it a couple more playthroughs. <laughs> yeah. What do you say, Daniel? I'll give it four Rebecca's out of five. Four Rebecca's <laughs> out of five. Interesting choice. Well, it's going to be my rating system. <laughs> <laughs> so then mine would be like four Leon's out of five. Mm-hmm. Now you're just copying me. I know. That's, <laughs> oh that's, like, that's a point. I copying you right well on that note we will catch you guys next time where we will discuss characters and bow's of zero yes i'm pretty excited for this all right guys till next time see ya bye bye thanks for joining us tonight on the resident evil Lurecast. we hope you enjoyed it if you did Tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at RELurecast on Twitter. Till next time, stay safe out there. And remember, we might have something that might interest you, stranger. 
What up to Night City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a cyberpunk red live play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. What are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Alteris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Eh, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.